the two-edged sword in their hand. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the story that we read uh, uh, three weeks ago, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. And when Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, had consulted the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out from, be, uh, from before the army, and they were singing, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. And story that we read last week, story of Paul and Silas being thrown into prison unjustly for casting the spirit of divination out of the uh, uh, fortune-telling uh, slave girl. It says that the jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were looking for them. So if you read the rest of that story, you know, I preached on it last week, how the uh, prison was shaken with an earthquake and every bun's doors, the doors to the prison were opened and everybody's uh, chains and stocks fell off. So the power that is in the praises of the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, that you're going to speak to us, Lord, through your word, through, Lord, uh, and Lord, I pray that we would not just listen to it, Lord, but that we would uh, put it into practice, Lord God, and use praise as a weapon to fight against the enemy. And Lord, maybe there's some of us that have never thought of praise as being a weapon, but it most certainly is. Your word makes it very plain that it is. So Lord, I pray that you bless uh, this word as I bring it forth. And uh, may it penetrate all of our hearts, Lord, from the pastor on down. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've been uh, talking about the weapons of God. I returned to that after a detour uh, with Calvary Road. But uh, spiritual warfare, we're involved in a spiritual warfare. How many of you know that? Amen? We've been talking about the weapons of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 tell us that though we war in the flesh... Though we live in, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Our weapons in fighting this spiritual battle, they're not fleshly, they're not of this world, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Maybe you've got strongholds that are built up in your life. They need to be torn down. And that's what the weapons of God are all about, tearing down the strongholds. And we've talked about these weapons before. They include the Word of God, which is described as the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about the sword of the Spirit. Uh, Am I not back on now? No, you're not. Yeah. What what happened? Is, is Susie? Is it up? Yeah, up up a little bit. Okay, good. That should uh, do it. Okay. And it also describes the word as being a sword in Ethi er, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We also talked about prayer in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 talks about that we're to pray with all manner of prayer, all kinds of prayer. There's different kinds of prayer. We've talked about that before. And it's got to be done 
or it should be done in the spirit. Talks about in Jude that we can build ourselves up in the most holy faith by prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. All manner of prayer in the Holy Spirit. That's a weapon too. Talked at length about fasting. You know, this past week uh, we got a uh, message from uh, one of our Thai friends that lives in, uh, in uh, California, Hacienda Heights. And uh, he's a baby Christian and he was asking about maybe fasting for 40 days. And so we, I talked to him. I said, uh, uh, Bick, you know, his uh, Thai nickname is Bick. I said, Bick, have you ever even fasted at all? He says, no. I said, well, you're trying to run a marathon when you haven't even run one mile yet. So he, he got the message. And I sent him copies of the series that I preached on fasting. You know, I had a total of uh, four messages, so I talked to you at length about it uh, about a year and a half ago. Fasting is a definite weapon. You know, sometimes we can get spiritually oppressed by demonic forces, and sometimes the only way to break those bondages is by fasting. You know, when... Uh, the disciples of Jesus couldn't cast out a spirit uh, that was causing epilepsy in this boy. They came up to him afterwards and they said, uh, Lord, why couldn't we uh, uh, cast it out? And he said uh, sometimes that this kind goes out not except by prayer and fasting. Sometimes you need to have your prayers especially augmented through fasting. Talked about the name of Jesus. In fact, I never did finish the full series on the name of Jesus. I still have more material than that. I might go back to it sometime in the future. Then we talked about the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Satan was defeated by those two things. And we defeat him too when we claim the blood of Jesus Christ. And we stand on our testimony. And finally, the high praises of God. That's what I've been talking about for, this is the fourth week. Uh, the same word is used with the high praises. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Psalm 149, verse 6. That's the same word that is used to describe the uh, word of God back in Ephesians chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 4, verse uh, uh, 12. Now, the last three weeks we've looked at examples of uh, <clears throat> praise being a weapon. We saw that that's how Jehoshaphat was able to defeat his enemies. There are three nations that were attacking the nation of Judah. They told Jehoshaphat about it. He took one look at it and realized he couldn't possibly defeat these three armies militarily. So he went to the Lord and uh, he said, uh, uh, you know, he gave a, a good prayer to the Lord. He says, we don't know how we're going to beat them. But he said, our eyes are upon you. And then the prophet spoke up and said, you don't have to fight these people. Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But he was ordered to send out his army anyway. But before his army, he put out the, uh, you know, Worship leaders, the, pray, the uh, worship leaders at the temple, and they praised uh, the Lord and uh, say, uh, glory to God. They, they worshiped him in his holiness, said, glory to God, and uh, uh, your mercies endure forever. And what happened? It confused the spiritual forces behind these uh, that were energizing these three armies and they started attacking one another. And by the time the uh, armies of Judah got there, they were all dead. They all, had all wiped out each other. Amen. We also saw that praise birthed the church and was a normal part of uh, the daily life of the church. And it was used by the disciples 
When their backs were up against the wall, they were ordered by the Jewish Sanhedrin not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. They prayed about that and they, uh, they acknowledged that Jesus that uh, was in control, that the Lord God who made the heavens was in control of everything. And they didn't pray for the persecution to cease. They prayed that they would have uh, boldness to stand up against it. And God granted them that boldness. And then later on, you know, the last thing that we talked about in there in Acts chapter 5, it said that they were seized upon again and they were beaten. And they, uh, when they walked out, they weren't feeling sorry for themselves and uh, uh, embittered towards God. But instead, they were praising God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And so the devil cannot stamp us out through persecution. We're going to stand against it because God will uh, give us the strength to stand up to it. And finally, last week we saw that it was used by Paul and Silas to do that last thing. They defeated the persecution, and they, even though they were beaten and thrown into prison, the very next day they were out. Now today I want to take a step backward. And I want to take an overview and see exactly what praise is. What praise is, what worship and thanksgiving are all about. Now, in general, as I've meditated on this, I see only two real kinds of praise. The first is what I would call adoration. Expressions of how you adore the Lord, how you love Him, how you praise Him for what He is. You know, we worship. You know what worship means? Worship it really is a, a condensation of two words, the word of worth-ship. That is Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. They are all worthy of our praise because of who they are, who and what they are. God is worthy of our praise for his wonderful attributes. Now these attributes, you know, I'm just going to list a few of them. You know, this is not necessarily restricted to this. First of all, there is God, God's love. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God is love. Everybody say that. God is love. That's what we're told. He loves us. No matter what, uh, you know, He loves us no matter what we do, no matter what we think or say. The question is not whether God loves us. The question is whether we love God in return. And if you don't feel like you love God like you should, then you need to go to Him in prayer and, and ask Him, to give him his love, and so you would be a reflection back to him. Kind of like the difference between the sun and the moon. The Lord is the sun, and we're like the moon. We're to reflect his love back to us. And of course, just the, the moon is just a really infant, you know, so, so much smaller than the sun, so we are so much smaller to, to the Lord. And we don't have that love in ourselves either. We need to be able to reflect that love back to Him. We thank you that He is eternal. He has always existed. And He will always exist into eternity future. Now we're not that way in that we had a beginning. But part of the image of God, remember we're made in the image of God, means that we now have eternity of being. We're always going to exist into eternity future. The thing is, do we want to spend it with the Lord or do we want to spend it apart from Him? And that's what the decision is being made right here on this earth. Do we want to be with Him throughout eternity? If we do, 
He will let us in. Jesus said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's also his holiness. God is holy. God is pure. And he calls us, just as he calls us to a life of love, he calls us to a life of holiness too. So we need to live holy lives, holy and pure. He said, be ye holy because I am holy. Justice. We have a just God. And a just God does not allow sin to be unpunished. That's why Jesus came here to this earth. To take our place there upon the cross and to suffer that death that we so richly deserved. God is always truthful. The Bible says that God can never lie, cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So if you tell a lie, that, that's, you know, uh, Jesus once said that the uh, uh, devil is the father of all lies. So if you lie, you know what that means? You're speaking for the devil. Always speak the truth. Because God always speaks to us uh, the truth. And he tells us in the, 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 this word here in John 17, he said, thy word is truth. So you want truth, you go to this word. Amen? Okay, and then there's the um, what I call the omni-attributes uh, uh, of God. Now these words are kind of like $5 words to you maybe. But uh, don't be scared of them. You know what omni means? It means all. So you talk about God's omnipresence. Presence is the key to that. He's all present. Now think about that. It means God is everywhere you go. You know, I've talked to you about uh, Psalm 139, which talks about the omnipresence of the Lord. We can't go anywhere where He is not there. And you know what that means? It means that even when we're down in the dumps, we feel like God is so far away. He's not far away. He is right there because He is omnipresent. He is all present everywhere you go. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Okay, his omnipotence, potence means power. He is all powerful. That means he sees your situation and anytime he wants, he can intervene. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he waits a while. And he does that to teach us obedience to get us to continually seek Him for the answers to our prayers. And finally, omniscience. Omniscience means He is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows you through and through. We don't even know ourselves, do we? We say to ourselves, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I thought that. Well, God knows. God knows everything about it. So that's all the more reason, brothers and sisters, to come clean before Him. you got sin in your life. He knows. So, omniscience is, you know, a two-edged sword. It can work for you and it can work against you. Okay, so those are the attributes. You know, I'm going to spend a lot more time on these different attributes and, you know, when I cover uh, this adoration of God in more detail. But uh, for today and the next couple of days, we're going to talk about thanksgiving. Adoration, you praise God for who and what He is. Thanksgiving is where you praise Him for what He does. And it's not just what he has done for you, but it's what he is doing now and what he will do in the future. So as Christians, we're asked to express gratitude for the blessings of God, that God has bestowed 
is bestowing and will bestow up, uh, uh, on the, uh, in the future upon us. I'm going to spend this message and then the, uh, another one uh, next, next month about this. Now, let's talk about the why we should be thankful. We should be thankful because it is beneficial to train our hearts to give thanks. As being thankful helps us to give credit to those who deserve it. You know, we're, we're, how many of you know we're not just to be thankful towards God, although He's the most important one. We, we're to be thankful uh, to other people. When they give us things, when they uh, do things for us, we always need to train ourselves to make sure we thank them for it. Amen? Now, that keeps us from being uh, resentful or arrogant or uh, uh, discouraged. Being thankful also keeps us from allowing what we don't have to define our lives. So often we're envious of other people. We see maybe they've got some gift or some talent. Maybe they've got a bigger, better car or a bigger house than we have. You know, we're envious of them. You know, uh, it's easy to look at other people and be envious of them. You know what that's called? It's called the sin of covetousness. And Paul talked about covetousness, and you know what he said it was? He said covetousness is idolatry. That is, you're worshiping something else besides God. It also, having a thankful attitude also keeps us humble and reminds us of our utter dependence on God. And you know, every day there are literally thousands of reasons to, to praise and thank God. We don't have to look far if we're looking for them. But so often we're not looking for things to be thankful for. How many of you ever really looked for things in your life to be thankful for? Think about it. We need to be looking for things that we can thank God for and be grateful for. You know, the very first thing you should do when you wake up from your sleep every morning is to pray and thank God for the new day and ask Him for His guidance ahead. Amen. We can easily lose sight of the blessings right in front of us if we don't do that every day. For one thing, how often do you praise Jesus Christ for saving you? Isn't that the most important thing? Thanking Jesus that he saved you. We should, you know, sometime, every day we should say, thank you Jesus for saving me. Amen? We should also be happy with what we have. You know, we've got friends, family, we've got food. On the table, I don't see anybody starving out there. We've got clothes, we've got uh, uh, the water that we drink and we use to uh, take showers. We've got, most of us have jobs, we've got a place to stay, place to sleep at night, and so on and so forth. The list just goes on and on. And sometimes, you know, brothers and sisters, we act like these things don't matter. But they do matter. We all want more and better, you know. But think about things. You know, there are people that are out there that don't have, have a house, a home to sleep in. You know, it's happening right here in America. How many of you know about the homeless crisis that we've got, particularly in the inner cities? Some folks go hungry. Many people go hungry. As a whole, we don't have people starving to death here in America, but you go over to some of the other countries of the world, like in Africa and India, and they have people that are starving. Some people die without knowing the Lord or even hearing His name. I've been over to Dolly's home country of Thailand and I've encountered many people who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. 
You ask them about Jesus Christ, and they've never even heard his name. And there's millions of people that that's true of in India, again, in India and Africa. Never even heard of the name of Jesus Christ. That's why you go over there. That's why Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Make disciples of all nations. Because they can't hear about Jesus unless somebody goes over there and tells them about him. When you realize how genuinely privileged we are that a holy God would love mankind and sacrifice his son for us, we should be more and more grateful. And when we become grateful for everything that he has done for us, we will want to love him more. The more you're thankful, the more you want to love him more. The more you want to obey him more. The more you want to give more. The more you want to pray more. The more you want to sacrifice more. And the more you want to share your faith more. How many of you want to share your faith? You should. Amen? I'll be talking a little bit about that uh, at a future message again. You know, brothers and sisters, we should take a uh, should sometime take a break from the world and spend time alone with the Lord and thank Him for everything that He has done for us. Pray that He will help us be, to become more grateful for the things that we take for granted. More importantly. We ask Him to assist us in enjoying the little things in life. You know, so often we don't think about those little things that we take for granted, and we feel like we've got nothing to be thankful for. But there's many things to thank God for. Sometimes you have to start small and choose to be thankful for these small things. Starting small, it will assist you in developing habits that will eventually improve your outlook and your attitude. You might begin by being grateful for another day to live. Every day is a gift. You know, I've heard it said, uh, uh, you know, the past, you know, it's a canceled check. The future is at best a promissory note. But today is cash. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> Are you thankful for these little things? Things that you take for granted? You know, when we had Thanksgiving, I remember giving you this illustration about this uh, a uh, young girl who emigrated to America, I think from Eastern Europe, and she talked funny, you know, and her uh, classmates kind of ridiculed me and drove her, ridiculed her, drove her to uh, uh, tears. You know, why do they make fun of uh, my accent? But then it came time for Thanksgiving, and the teacher went around and she asked the different students, you know, what are you thankful for? And uh, one of them said, that, well, I thank God for my, uh, that new puppy that I have. I thank God for this toy or that toy. Then they came to the uh, Eastern European girl and they said, uh, what are you thankful for? And she says, I'm just thankful that I can see. You ever think about that? Are you glad that you can see? Hey, well, if you can see, you know what you're supposed to do with it? You're supposed to read the Bible. That's what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. But we can be thankful. You know, there's plenty of people in this world that cannot see. So, praise God, you're not one of them. You know, you can see. You can hear. You can speak. Amen? So, take those are gifts. Take them and use them. To further God's kingdom. Be stu good stewards of them. 
Giving gratitude is not something that many people do because they are so blind they can't see, blind spiritually, they can't see anything worth thanking God for in their life. That's a blindness right there. That's a spiritual blindness. They tell themselves that thanking God, oh, that's good for, you know, so-and-so. Look at all their, you know, they've got a, uh, you know, a lot of money, they got a big house, a nice car, you know, let them be thankful, you know. As for me, you know, this other stuff I just take for granted, you know. But truthfully, there is no one who does not have something to be thankful for. We can't give thanks when we think, when we don't, uh, when we can't think, when we don't think of these things. But a sensible individual will be grateful for everything in his or her life. After all, a grateful person complaining about not having shoes will stop and think, praise God, when he sees a person that's missing a limb. You know, I remember reading one time about this uh, uh, young man that was in a poor country. He couldn't afford shoes. So he said, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. Thank God that we have what God has given us. These physical bodies that work. Hallelujah. We need to develop that thankful attitude. We're frequently ungrateful for God's kindness and the numerous benefits that He gives us in our life. We're so focused on what is to come that we neglect to notice what has already occurred. We recall responses uh, to prayers. You know, we've been praying about things in our life and it seems like God is not listening because He's not answering. But we forget about the prayers that we've uttered in the past and that he's answered, that he's fulfilled what you asked for. How many of you have had prayers that have been answered? Amen? You ever had prayer that's been answered? Praise God for that. So don't sit around uh, waiting and wondering, why doesn't God answer me, you know? Just think of what he's done for you and be grateful for that. Amen. And we so often disregard God's command to give thanks. It says there in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 and 20. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, there's that uh, scripture I've been uh, repeating to you uh, every Sunday since I started this uh, series on praise and worship. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Okay, everybody say it with me. I've repeated it enough times. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, those are commands. Brothers and sisters, they're not options. Amen? For so many people obeying God's command to give thanks, or the fact that He is worthy of our praise, you know, this is not enough. Even though God's commanded us to give thanks and to praise Him, and he's worthy of our praise, that's not enough. But so many people say, well, what's in it for me? Kind of a selfish attitude, isn't it? 
How many times will you say, well, what's in it for me? Well, since you asked, you know, I'm going to tell you. When people express gratitude for God, he is moved to perform miracles in our lives. He performed that miracle in Paul and Silas, right? We read about that. And he will perform miracles in your life when you praise him for who he is and what he has done and what he will do. Someone who gives thanks releases God's great ability to work wonders. He releases God's ability, great ability to work wonders in your life. Gratitude then is a spiritual force that allows you to reach new heights. When you are a grateful, thankful Christian, God's Spirit is released and cause things to work for you as what they should. That's why I'm preaching this. It's a weapon to fight against the enemy, to accomplish the things that God wants to do in your life. And Satan is hindering them. So become a thankful Christian. Thanking Another thing is thanking God glorifies His name. How many of you want to glorify the name of the Lord? So often we want to glorify ourselves instead of God. It says in Psalm 50 verse 23, Whoso offer praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conversation, conversation there means a manner of living, his manner of living a right Will I show the salvation of God? You're looking for to God for deliverance, not in, only in your life, in the lives of your loved ones. You're looking for His deliverance. Learn to praise and thank God. Learn to glorify His name. So, and when you glorify God in your life, others will notice. So continuing these reasons for giving thanks. Says in Psalm, it should be Psalm 22 there. Psalm 22 verses uh, 3 and 4. But you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. You know what it, this means? King James Version in that verse 3 of uh, Psalm 22 says that you inhabitest the praises of, the, of Israel. But it actually means enthroned. When you praise God, you set him up on the throne. You enthrone him in your life. And if you set God on the throne of your life by praises, then he is prepared to move in your life. He can't move in your life until you first enthrone him. Some people say, well, I don't want him to be on my throne. I want to be on the throne. Well, you got another guest coming. You want God to move, you praise and thank him and enthrone him in your life. Every time you give real thanks, new oil... That is the oil of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. New oil, the, new, the a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit is poured upon you for new effect. With constant thanksgiving, you never run out of sources. Now we have enemies in this life, brothers and sisters... Praise helps us to defeat them. God said this about David in Psalm 89, verses 20 through 24. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. With my holy spirit, I have anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established. My arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. 
That's the enemies that we face. And I will beat down his foes. How many of you want your foes to be beaten down? I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy will be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. Now, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about five reasons to always thank God. I'm only going to start with the first here. I don't have enough time to go through all five of them. That clock is making faces at me there in the back. So uh, let's just cover the first one here. And by the way, there's many other th reasons to uh, be thankful for to God. First of all, you can thank God for His mercy, love, and faithfulness. Lamentations chapter five, uh, 3, verses 21 through 23 says, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. I'm going to talk about what that means in just a minute. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The simple fact is that our creator is of the heavens and the earth he adores us. You know, remember I talked about adoration, how we need to adore God for who He is? He adores us. Every dawn, He pours out new and unending mercies on us. He never takes His gaze away from us. You know, that's what the, as I mentioned, that's what the omnipresence means his omnipresence he's present everywhere his gaze is always on you he loves you very very dearly and he is dependable in blessing guiding assisting and strengthening you strengthening us his affection is never wavering it's always unwavering he never stops caring about us he never turns his back on us. We turn our back on him many times, but he will never turn his back on you. And this gives us great hope and ample reason to praise and thank the Lord. Now I'm going to close with that thought. I'm going to have a closing song here. And uh, I'm sorry, I was behind here. Okay. Closing song is uh, As We Gather and sandwiched in between beginning and the ending of this song, which is As We Gather, there's this very pretty song called The Steadfast Love of the Lord. And it's a beautiful song. And uh, maybe you've heard it before. I know that we've prayed it for our worship service a few times before here. And if you come in late, maybe you've not heard it. Hint, hint. Come here early. Catch the worship service. Okay? It's a very beautiful song, like I said. But you, you know what, brothers and sisters? <clears throat> Do you know where that comes from? That comes from the scripture I just read there. Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. We'll see what that means in just a minute. Because his compassions or his mercies fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now some of you may say, well, lamentations? Where's lamentations? Well, lamentations were written by the prophet Jeremiah. That's why you, if you look up Lamentations in your Bible, you'll find it's a little short book of only five chapters, and it's right after the book of Jeremiah. 
What's lamentations? Comes from the word lament. What do you do when you lament? You usually lament when you lose something. And in Jeremiah's case, he lost his country because the Babylonians swooped in as God's judgment upon the nation of Judah and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem, including the temple. Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians and undoubtedly broke down the other dwellings too. They burned them with fire. They killed thousands of people. Thousands more were deported. They were carried off into Babylon. That became the Babylonian captivity of the Jewish people. You know who the two of the captives were? People carried off into captivity? They were the prophets Daniel and Ezekiel. So both Daniel and Ezekiel, the books of Daniel and Ezekiel, were written there in Babylon. So, I heard Jeremiah as being described as being a very sensitive and dramatic person and the height of his sensitivity and uh, his sorrow is expressed there in that book of Lamentations. But you know, right there, almost dead center in Lamentations are those verses 21 through 23. And Jeremiah saw a message of hope. And that's what it means right there. In verse 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. We should have been wiped out off the face of the map because of the sin of our nation. But it was through God's mercy and God's compassion that we were not. God often uses these things not just on a national scale, but on a personal scale. And he does that to purify us. Now, throughout the book of Jeremiah, if you read the book of Jeremiah, he'd been warning that this was going to happen. He said, God is going to bring judgment here upon Judah, our nation of Judah, because of our sin. We've been worshiping other gods. We've not been considered to the poor. We've been exploiting them. God is going to bring judgment upon us. And he said we need to surrender to the Babylonians or the Babylonians are going to wipe us out. And you know what happened? Jeremiah was persecuted heavily for it. He was beaten many times. Read the book of uh, Jeremiah. You know, I was looking this up uh, uh, just this morning. Chapter 36, he wrote a uh, scroll of judgment upon the nation of Judah. He didn't bring it in himself, but he had his scribe take it in there. And the king at the time, man by the name of Jehoiakim, you know, he was winter at the time. You know, his scribe read a portion of the scroll and he said, give me the scroll. He cut that out and then dropped that into the fire. And he did that several times until all of the scroll was gone. He completely rejected what Jeremiah was saying. Another time, the princes or the nobles of uh, Jerusalem, they went into the king at that time, Zedekiah, Zedekiah was a weak, vacillating king. And I think if you look up uh, Wimp in the dictionary, you might see Zedekiah's picture there. But Zedekiah, you know, the nobles went to him and they said, we got to get rid of this guy. He keeps, you know, telling us to give over to the Babylonians. The people are going to listen to him. We need to kill him. So Zedekiah says, okay, he's in your hand. Do whatever you want to him. And so they took him and they threw him into this dungeon that apparently, you know, uh, uh, got a lot of water maybe during the rainy season. 
Well, when they threw him into this dungeon, the, the water was all gone, but there was mud in there, and he sank down into the mud. It must have been a long drop, too, because they had to let down ropes to get him out. But a, you know, a eunuch in the court comes to Zedekiah and says, you can't do this. You can't let them kill Jeremiah. You know, it's going to be even worse for us if we kill the prophet of uh, uh, Jehovah, the prophet of God. So he talked to Zedekiah and he says, okay, you know, go on, get him out of that. Uh, and so they uh, uh, took uh, Jeremiah out. By the way, you know what happened to Zedekiah? The Babylonians came through, broke through the wall, raised the city to the ground. They said, well, where's Zedekiah? And he had tried to get out through a hidden entrance or th hidden exit. And he's out there running away. But they caught up to him. And you know what they did? They put his eyes out. But they put, before they put his eyes out, they put his two sons to death right in front of him. So the last thing he ever saw in life was his two sons getting killed and then they took him off to uh, Babylon so God's judgment now <clears throat> Jeremiah says it's only by the grace of God the compassions of God that we are not consumed only by his mercies we are not completely wiped out Judah sinned and they greatly deserved their fate they deserve what they got you know, America, and this is why this is important to us, because America is where Judah was back then. We've become a nation that has departed from God. We've been blessed so much, and yet we're ungrateful. And we've turned to worship other gods. Dolly and I went over to visit Pastor Sandra, this past week on Monday, and she was reading a new book. This book was called Return of the Gods. And it talked about how the very same gods, and not, not we don't call them by the same names that they did, but the spirits behind those gods are here in America today. And I'm going to be sharing this maybe about three weeks from now exactly what this means. I'll interrupt, you know, praise and worship because it's important that we know what's going on. I hinted about this the uh, Sunday before election. Remember the one that was really long? I'm going to talk about that later. But the, the same thing is happening to America now. And so let's keep in mind that no matter how, what happens to America... And judgment may befall us. I don't know what's coming down the pike. 